0: you don't need to fear death if you're prepared for it. This is the second message in the series Life After Life. The message is entitled, What Happens When You Die? Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're involved in a series of messages entitled Life After Life, and I want to continue that theme. We're looking at this as we head into the Christmas season and I want to talk specifically today about a very important topic that you need to understand as a Christian believer and the question we want to answer today is what happens when you die? What happens the moment of your death? What is this thing called afterlife and what should you and I expect when it comes to breathing that last breath of life here and what do we anticipate for eternity? And understanding this whole issue of heaven and hell and eternity is extremely important. The great writer C.S. Lewis, and lay theologian he was, he was a tremendous writer and thinker. He made this observation. He said, Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. How true that is, that when we aim at heaven, there's a benefit to us experiencing life here on earth in greater measure. So we want to understand how to live now with a heavenly focus so we're prepared for that moment when we pass from this life to the next life. For some of you, you might say, well, what a morbid topic. Pastor, why are you talking about what happens when you die? Here's the reason you're going to die. Every one of us at some point in time will breathe our last breath. You do not know when that's going to be. As i mentioned many times, we do funerals here all the time, and uh, we do funerals for very young people and do funerals for very old people and for every age in between. You never know when your last day is going to be, so it's extremely important that you are prepared for that day whenever it comes calling to you. I want to give you a little diagram on the screen today that I want to explain for a moment because this is going to give you an overview uh, for what I'll talk about today and actually what I'll be talking about for the next several weeks together. So just keep this diagram up for me just for a few moments. There's a moment in time when you're born, it's called your birthday. Everybody has a birthday. You have a day that you celebrate the fact that you came into this world. Your life didn't begin at your birthday. Your life began at conception, that in your mother's womb, when that moment, there was that moment when God brought life to you and you started growing in your mother's womb. I believe that life is in the womb. I believe that life begins at conception. I believe that the Bible teaches that. In fact, the Bible says, while we're in our mother's womb, God knows us. So there was a moment you were conceived and you had a life given to you by God, and you were born into this world, and you live for a period of time. There's a little dash that happens there, and that is your life. You go to a graveside, you go to a cemetery, you'll see a gravestone, and it has birth date and death date, and a little dash in between. That is your life. And at some point in time, as I mentioned, you're going to die. When you die, there are two intermediate aspects or places the Bible refers to, and I'm going to explain that intermediate in a moment so you'd understand it. One is heaven, or as I'm going to refer to it today, actually probably should have had it on this screen, and that's the word paradise, so we'll use that uh, 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 in the the same manner today. Uh, And there's also a place called Hades, an intermediate place waiting for the day of final judgment, because the day of final judgment hasn't come yet. There'll be a time that will precede the day of final judgment. It's called the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Christ will come back again and set in motion the end of the world as we know it. And there will be a final judgment. And at that point in time, there will be the assignment of eternity in heaven with God. Or actually, as the scripture teaches, and I will explain to you in the next several weeks, it's not just heaven, but there's a new heaven and a new earth. And so heaven and earth are formed together in an amazing, incredible way. And then, of course, eternal hell, eternally separated from God. So there's the picture, if you will, of what happens after you die. But I want to break that down into four lessons for us today, four things that will help you to understand this transitional moment. The moment that you die, what happens in your life, what can you anticipate? Here's our first point. The first point is this. Death according to Scripture, is the separation of the spirit and soul from your body. The moment that you die, there is a separation that occurs. See, your life is far more than your body. Your body is simply Temporary. And what makes you human, what makes you a human being is not just your body, it's the fact that you have a spirit and a soul created in the very image of God. The Bible says that we are created, we'll read it in a moment, in God's image. Just like God, if you will, in the sense of the image of God, the nature of God, and God is a tripartite being, triune, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In a similar way we are tripart beings we are we are spirit soul and body and so your body is the temporal part is the tent that you live in or that houses you as a spirit and a soul at the time of death as soon as you breathe your last breath there is a separation moment where your spirit and soul will separate from your body Notice Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. Notice that, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. Who is breathing into man's nostrils? God is breathing into man's nostrils the breath of and the man became a living being, or as some translations render that, he became a living soul. And so this whole idea, when God made mankind, he himself breathed into mankind, and that mankind was animated with the spirit or the breath of God and came alive as a living soul, as a living Being Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. We read it last week. I want to bring it back to your attention again this weekend. Yes, remember your creator. Your what? Creator. The one that created you. Now, while you're young, that is, get to know him as early as you can in life. You're never too young to get to know God. Amen? That's why we have a great children's ministry here at Church of the Redeemer. I think we ought to celebrate all those who take care of our kids and teach them the ways of God. Aren't you thankful for the fact that while we're in here learning, they're learning the things of God as well as a young person. Remember your creator now while you're young, before before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait, that is, don't wait to get to know God until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. He's using analogies or metaphors to describe don't wait until you die to try to get to know God. And then he says, for for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Notice in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, the words of Jesus. We're talking about the fact that you're more than a body, that you're a spirit and soul. At the moment of death, your spirit and soul separate from your body. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Notice the distinction between body and soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We are uniquely created by God as eternal beings. You're not a temporal being. You are an eternal being with a spirit and with a soul. Sadly, in our world today, a lot of people live is, uh, with, the, with the mindset, the priority system, the value system as though only their bodies matter. Some people, in essence, by and large, worship their bodies. Now, I do believe that you should take good care of your body. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we may take a series after Easter. I'm thinking about it right now, and a whole series on wisdom. And wisdom is part of taking care of your body. You should do that. But you shouldn't worship your body. Your, your body is not meant to be worshiped. Your body is a tent. It is a house. You don't worship your house. You live in your house. Now, you ought to take care of your house. You ought to keep it maintained, but you don't go home and bow down to your house. Oh, mighty, glorious house and worship your house. No, you don't do that. Neither should you worship your body. Your body is a container, if you will, for your spirit and for your soul. Jesus said in in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own Soul. So death is a separation moment. It is not the end. It is a separation moment. It is not the end. Number two, at death, again, there's a separation of the spirit and soul from the body. But at death, we actually move to a new place. Just like your body, your physical body was made for earth. Your your body couldn't survive in heaven. That's why you're going to need a new body uh, eventually because you need a heavenly body to be sustained in a heavenly realm. So your body was not made for heaven. Your body was not made for eternity. Your body was made for earth. And just as your body was made for earth, your eternal spirit and your eternal soul are made for an eternal destiny and for an eternal death destination they they're designed to go to a new place and while we're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ he will come back one day and as a part of this message I'm going to talk about the second coming of Jesus that's a few messages away but we'll talk about the second coming of Jesus I'll try to give you my best understanding of the second coming of Christ uh, no one knows for sure how it will exactly happen but until the second coming of Jesus, while we're waiting for him to come back again and for us to experience the final judgment, that final judgment day, when you die, there are two intermediate places for your spirit and soul. Two intermediate places for the spirit and souls of the dead. So when you die, you don't cease to exist. When you die, you go to a new place. And Jesus spoke of both of these places. He talked to us about an intermediate place called paradise and he talked to us about an intermediate place called Hades. Let's talk about paradise for a moment. Because paradise is the intermediate heaven, if you will, before the final judgment for those who are followers in Jesus Christ. Those who have a relationship with him, have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Notice in Luke chapter 23, verses 41 through 43, you'll know this story well. It's the time that Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's right at that center cross. And do you remember that there were two men that were also crucified with him, right? And what were they? They were criminals. Anyone remember that story, right? And so there are two criminals crucified with Jesus. One of the criminals is arrogant. He's making all these kind of comments. Jesus, if you're really the son of God, why don't you save us? Come down from the cross. And he's very arrogant, no repentance in his heart. The other thief or the other criminal has an attitude of repentance. And I want you to notice the conversation between the repentant criminal on the cross to the unrepentant criminal on the cross. And notice what Jesus says to the unrepentant criminal on the, excuse me, the repentant criminal on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 41. Have I completely confused you so far? Are you with me right now? Shake your head. If not, if you shake it this way, I'm going to go back over everything, okay? Here's the story. Here's the criminal, the repentant criminal. He says to the other criminal who is unrepentant, we are punished justly For we are getting what our deeds deserved, but this man, speaking of Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What's the request? He's expressing faith. He's saying, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you have a kingdom that exists beyond this moment. And I want to be in your kingdom. And I'm crying out to you desperately in this moment. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, Jesus could have easily said, sorry, buddy, you waited way too long. You're at the last moment, can't do anything for you but notice what Jesus said. You know it well. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. What an amazing story. Here's this thief on the cross and In response to his faith, in response to his his request, he's crying out to God. He's calling on the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That is in the presence of God for eternity in this intermediate place called paradise. But Jesus also speaks of another intermediate place that's called Hades. And this place called Hades, waiting for the final judgment after Jesus comes back again, is a place that is designed for unbelievers, for people who pushed God out of their life. They've rejected God and pushed him out of their life and said, we don't want God in our lives and we don't want to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of our life. We want to live life for ourselves." And there's a place, an eternal place reserved for people like that as well who make that choice. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, a lengthy passage, but it's worth us reading today to understand this. There was a rich man, these are the words of Jesus giving us a story, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sword. So here's the story. It's the story of a man by the name of rich man, by the, we don't have his name, and a beggar by the name of Lazarus, two individuals. Notice verse 22, the time came when the beggar died. So this is the moment of death. What happens at death? Your spirit and soul, they're separated from your your body, okay? So it says that the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Anybody believe the Bible is true? Jesus wouldn't have told us a story if it were not true. So when he died, the Bible says in his moment of death, he left his body on earth to decay, but his spirit and soul went to Abraham's side. One translation says Abraham's bosom. We know that place to be paradise. Very same place. Okay. Notice what happens there. The rich man also died and was buried. So now... This man who was dependent upon God his entire life died. And the man who rejected God his entire life and lived a materialistic life, he died as well. One now, the first man who depended upon God out of his poverty, where is he now? He is in paradise. And then notice verse 23, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So we've got one in paradise and another where? In Hades. Right there in the Bible. One in paradise, one in Hades. And notice what happens. He sees Abraham. And he sees Lazarus by his side, the man in Hades does. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. So there's something related to torment in Hades. But notice the response. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in. Agony, And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So here Abraham is explaining to him, which by the way means that Abraham is living in paradise right now. Come to that in a few moments. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with Abraham. How about you? Okay. So there he is. And so he says, hey, you don't understand things. You you want me to come and you 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 want me to dip a little water and, and, and quench the thirst that you have. But there's a chasm between the two. You can't cross from one to the other. The eternal destiny has already been set. You can't cross over to us and we can't cross over to you. Boundaries have been set by God. So obviously he makes another plea here. The rich man does. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they... Do not listen to Moses and the prophets. They will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. There's a lot there in that story, but the essence that I wanted you to see. And there's a lot of things we could talk about there. I encourage you to go back and maybe think on it, pray on it, think about it for your own life, how it applies to your life. But here's what I want you to see. Every person, listen closely, every person after death will find themselves in one of these places. Every person after death, you will find yourself in one of these places. I don't want you to be surprised one day. I didn't know that this existed. I want to be faithful to you as a pastor, as a teacher of God's word, and to remind you that when you die, you're going to find yourself either in paradise or in Hades. If you die before Jesus' return and the final judgment. That's what the scripture teaches us. Here's our third point today. We decide in this life where we'll spend the next life. At the, listen closely. This is so important today. At the time of death, the moment of choosing your eternal destiny has expired. At the moment of death, as soon as you breathe your last breath, the moment, the opportunity for deciding where you're going to spend eternity has passed. You don't get the option of deciding after you die where you want to go and spend eternity, according to Scripture. The Bible is clear that eternal decisions are made not in the next life, but eternal decisions are made in this life. And the single most important decision, I'll come back to this in a moment, that you will ever make in your life, the most important decision you will ever make in your life is where you're going to spend your life eternity. And you have to make that decision in this life. You can't wait till the next life. And I would highly suggest that you don't wait till the last minute to do it because you don't know when that last minute is going to be in your life. Yes, there's the story of the thief on the cross. Thank God that he can hear a sinner's cry on their deathbed. I've known many people who are right at the point of death. I've led people to Christ at the point of death in their life before. And certainly Jesus hears those cries, but don't, push it like that. Don't push it like that. Don't say, hey, I'm just going to wait. I'll live my life. And just at the last moment, I'll turn my life over to God. You don't know that your life can be snuffed out without any opportunity to make that final cry to God. Hebrews 9, 27 says, every human being is appointed to die once and then. Notice that word then, and then to face God's judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 and 2. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you on the day of salvation. I helped you indeed. The right time is tomorrow. No. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If you're in this worship center today or watching online, you're not here by accident. If you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ, there's a message coming to you today from Almighty God. And that message to you today is, today is your day of salvation. God loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for your life and a plan for your eternity. But today is the day to make that decision. It's not tomorrow. It's not, hey, I'll live my life, and I'll hope that at the end I'll have a chance to get things right with God. No, no, no. Don't live like that. The most important, serious decision you'll ever make is the decision of what will happen in your eternity. Make the right one. Make the right one. You don't get a do-over after you die. Amen. There, are no, there are no mulligans after <laughs> death, okay? For those of you golfers, you understand what that means, all right? For those you who aren't golfers, look it up. Google it, okay? <laughs> Number four, fourth point today. Paradise and Hades are real places with real experiences. There's this myth that people think, well, you know, when people die, they sort of go into this sort of mystical kind of abode and kind of a weird state. They're not really, really real anymore, and they're not conscious of things anymore, kind of a state of spiritual unconsciousness, and maybe even their soul sleeps. I want to tell you that, this, that none of that is in Scripture. We read it a moment ago in Luke chapter 16. That as, as surely as you are conscious, touch your hand right now. Go ahead and do that. Just touch your hand. Are you aware of the fact you just touched your hand? Right? You are, right? Touch your face. You're aware of the fact. You're looking. Your eyes are seeing. You're aware of the fact. You're conscious, okay? You're not sleeping right now. You're not in some weird state. You're conscious right now of what's going on around you. In the same way that when you die, there will, be an, there will be a level of consciousness, actually a heightened dimension of consciousness that you will experience. You will not lose consciousness. In fact, your body will lose consciousness because it's dead, but your spirit and soul very much alive and conscious in the presence of God. See, you don't cease to exist when you die. You don't cease to be conscious of things when you die. What you just did is change locations. That's all you do, okay? As soon as you die, in the same way, if I were to walk down this aisle and walk out of those doors and walk into the foyer of our church, I'm still the same person. I'm still alive, but I just changed locations. I'm not in this room anymore. I'm in a different room. The same is true when you die. All you're doing is changing locations, leaving your body behind, your spirit and soul going to God, and you're just as conscious, actually more conscious in eternity than you are right now. When you go to paradise, you're going to experience this consciousness of God's presence. We'll talk more about that in just a bit, but I want you to understand something about this paradise and how you get there. I'm going to spend a a whole message on talking about how to be sure you're saved, how to never doubt whether you have salvation or not. That's another message, but I do want to give this to you today. How do you know that you're going to go to paradise or heaven when you die? 1 John chapter 5 verse 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have what? Eternal life. So paradise. Is reserved for those who have acknowledged Jesus Christ into their life and turned their lives over to them. And it is a place, it is a real place, it's a place of consciousness. You're aware of certain things there. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6-3. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. That's not... Away in the sense of his spirit, but away from his, his intimate presence that you find in eternity. For we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. How do you know when you're at home? I'm asking the question, do you? Do you know when you get home? How do you know when you get home? Because when you get home, your stuff's there, right? You don't walk in and say, whose stuff is this? No, you walk into your house and you know that you're home because it's your home, okay? It's decorated the way you decorated it, correct? It smells the way you've created whatever aroma is there. It looks either clean or neat based upon how you kept it, okay? But you know when you get home, you know you're home. So to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. You'll know where you are. It's not some foreign place. You'll be familiar. Oh, I, I tasted of some of this on the earth. I, I know this place. I remember that time in worship that I felt the presence of God. Oh, that's what I felt in that moment. Oh, I'm at home. I, I've got this, this very real thing going on that I can identify with. I'm at home with the Lord. Philippians 1, 21 through 24. Can I get a little amen here today, okay? For to me, to live is Christ, Paul says, and to die is gain. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in in the body, Paul says, I'd love to be able to go home and be with Jesus, but I've got an assignment here on earth that God has given me that assignment. By the way, never, never, ever take it upon yourself to choose when your life will end. God is the author and the completer of life, and it's not us to make the decision of those kinds of things. That's another message. I'm not even sure why I'm saying that today, but maybe somebody needs to hear it. Acts chapter 7, great story we see. Someone in a moment of dying, their death moment, his name is Stephen. Take a look at the story. He's about to be killed, martyred for his faith. The religious leaders in Jerusalem are throwing stones at him to kill him. And let's see what happens here in the story as, 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 as Stephen dies. The Jewish leaders were infuri- infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw that's, that's consciousness. He saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of God standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's Saul of Tarsus, who ultimately will become the Apostle Paul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. When he left this life, he was conscious of God's presence. Let me give you quickly 10 things you're going to be conscious of when you die. Number one, you're going to be conscious, immediately conscious. When you breathe your last breath as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be conscious of the loving presence of the heavenly Father, God Almighty. You'll be surrounded with a love like you've never known before. I've read many near-death experiences that people have had who've known Jesus and entered into eternity for a period of time because of, and then were revived by reason of medical science. And many of them will describe, I've never felt a love like that before such an unconditional love as soon as you enter into heaven you'll be conscious of being loved like you've never been loved before you'll also be conscious of the grace the glory and the majesty of Jesus the Son of God let me tell you who the star of heaven is the star of heavens not you the star of heavens not me the star of Heavens not any human being who's passed from this life to the next life we're only there by reason of one star and his name is Jesus He is the brightness of heaven. He is the glorious one. He's the one that we will all want to bow down and worship. You say, well, I'm not sure I'm going to be interested in seeing Jesus. Oh, yes, you will, because his majesty is going to be incredible. You'll be conscious of the fact that you're there by the pierced hands and the side and the feet and the blood of Jesus and the grace that brought you into that place. Third, you'll be conscious of your true self. You'll never be more alive than you'll be. When you step into heaven, you'll be conscious of who you really are. You'll be the real you because you've never been the real you on earth. You've had fears and doubts and frustrations and anger and bitterness and all kind of stuff in your life that have kept you from being the very you that God created you to be. But when you get to heaven for eternity, you'll be the best you you've ever been. I will tell you what else you'll be conscious of. You'll be conscious of believing family and friends and acquaintances who died before you. You had a grandmother who knew Jesus, you're gonna see her again. You had a mom or a dad who knew Jesus, you're gonna see them again. You had a brother or sister who knew Christ, you're gonna see them again. You're gonna have somebody that you worshipped with at church or someone you served on a team with at church that went to heaven before you, you're gonna see them again. You'll be conscious of those interactions. You'll You'll be conscious of a freedom from sin, sickness, sorrow, And pain. For the first time in your life, you will feel free. You'll be absolutely aware of the fact there are no bondages on me anymore, no bondages of sin or sickness or sorrow or pain. You'll also be aware, conscious of the presence and the activity of angels. You're not going to worship the angels, but it'll be great to be able to see their operation, would it not? I can only imagine what the angelic host does day in and day out. By the way, you're going to get to meet the angel that saved you a bunch of times from messes in your life. How many times an angel has come along and you didn't even know what was happening. It spared your life or spared you in a circumstance. You say, oh, pastor, you really believe that? Yes. Yes. Because the Bible teaches, the Bible says that angels are ministering spirits sent to, the, sent to the saints of God. And so you'll get to meet the angels and see the angels and their activity. You'll also be conscious of the activity of God in the earth. You'll be able to see, oh, God is at work in the earth. And you'll be able to see what he's doing. Uh, for the Bible says that no eye is seen, ear is heard, neither is entered into the heart of man. All those wonderful things that God has made in store for those that love him. But when you get to heaven, your eyes are open. You no longer see through a glass Darkly, you see clearly and face to face. You'll be conscious of the presence of all the saints of the Bible in history. You'll be able to see, as I mentioned a moment ago, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You'll have an opportunity to say hi to David. You have the opportunity of sitting down and saying, Peter, what was it really like when you messed up that night? John, what was it like to be at the foot of the cross and to hear Jesus say, take care of my mother? you have the opportunity of having those conversations, not just with the people of the Bible, but throughout church history, the Martin Luthers and the Calvins and the John Wesleys and all of those who preached the gospel through the ages. You'll also be able and be aware of and conscious of the ability to act and engage in worship and engage in wonderful relationships and meaningful, enjoyable activities without the presence of sin or the curse of sin upon you any longer. Nothing tainting your relationships anymore. Nothing at all. Thank you. See a lot of people have this false idea that when they die they're gonna turn into some they're gonna sort of morph into some kind of weird creature. <laughs> Kinda of, even quite it's hard to explain, maybe kind of an angel and God's gonna say, Okay, there's your cloud and here's your harp. Okay. <laughs> now I want you to play this song for the next thousand years, then I'll give you a new song to play, okay? And you can be completely bored floating around on a cloud in the sky somewhere. That's nowhere in the Bible is that taught. That's not heaven, okay? That's not heaven at all. Heaven is you have wonderful relationships, wonderful interactions, and then you're going to also be conscious of the joyful anticipation of the fullness of eternity, that final day when Jesus comes back again and the entire the new, new heaven and the new earth, earth is established. Let me quickly mention something else. As surely as you're conscious of all these things in heaven, those who've made the choice to reject Jesus will be conscious of certain things in Hades as well. I will give you two things you're going to be conscious of, and these two things are plenty enough to cause you to think about your relationship with God. Number one those who reject God and walk away from God and never accept the gift of salvation and die and they end up in Hades, they'll be conscious of an atmosphere that is completely absent of the presence of God. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in an atmosphere that's completely... You know, even now, even those that don't know God God, benefit from the fact that he's at work in the world. In him we live and move and have our being, the Bible says. Okay. But when you get to Hades and ultimately in hell, there's the eternal separation from God. You say, well, pastor, are you sure? Look at this verse of scripture. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and his glorious power. So there's eternal separation from God. And I will tell you something else. There is real torment in heaven, in, in Hades, I should say, that you avoid in heaven. Matthew 25, 41, Jesus' words, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. Hell was originally prepared for the devil and the demons that rebelled with the devil. Lucifer, when he rebelled against God, it was not originally created for people. But the fall of humanity, people chose to follow the devil instead of God. That's the whole dimension of Genesis chapter 3 and Adam and Eve and the fact that they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so there became two kingdoms operating on the earth at that point in time. And we make a choice which kingdom we want to align with. And I hope you'll hear this today very clearly. God never sends anyone to hell. People send themselves to hell by the choices of it. Are you hearing me today? God doesn't send people to hell. No, people send themselves to hell by their choices. That if you reject God and you say, I don't want anything to do with God, I don't want him in my life, I don't want to acknowledge him as my creator, I don't want to acknowledge Jesus as the Savior, the Son of God, I'm going to reject him and push him out of my life. Then God says, if you pushed me out of of your life on earth, then you made the choice to push me out of your eternity as well. So God doesn't send people to hell. No, people send themselves there by the choices they make in life because the Bible is very clear about the fact that God wants everyone to experience salvation. Amen. Listen to John three sixteen and 17. We're closing up here today. We're just about done. For God so loved the world that he gave, notice this, he so loved us He so loved you. Put your name right there. God so loved, just insert your name, that he gave his one and only son that whoever, I love that, whoever. It's not a select few. It's not just a few people that he will choose or elect to be saved. No, he says, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. I love verse 17 that we often omit, but it needs to be connected with verse 16. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. This is good and pleasing. pleases God our Savior who wants, who wants, what's God's desire? He wants all people to be what? Saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So what's God's heart toward humanity? God's heart, heart toward humanity is, I don't want you to spend eternity separated from me. I love you. God's saying, I love you so much that I actually did everything possible so that you don't have to spend eternity separated from me in Hades and ultimately in eternal hell. But you can have that resting place of the immediate, inter- intermediate, intermediate, paradise and the ultimate heaven if you'll accept Jesus Christ the gift of salvation in your life so can I ask you today are you pushing God out of your life are you saying God you know what maybe another time I'll wait till later I'll serve you when I get older I'll serve you at another time when it's more convenient are you pushing him out of your life are you rejecting his gift and his offer of salvation or have you come to that place in your life and saying you know what Jesus I want to thank you for loving me so much that you gave your life. And now I accept you as Lord of my life so that I know that I have not only life here, but life for eternity. That's the choice that you make. You don't make it later. Today is the day of salvation. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray today? Father, we thank you for your word today. We're grateful for this reminder of what happens when we die. Lord, I've done the best that I've known how to do to try to communicate what I understand to be clear in Scripture. But Father, what we need now is just a response in all of our hearts toward you. And I pray for anyone that's here in this worship center today. I pray for those who perhaps are watching online today. I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that if they haven't come to that place of accepting you as Lord of their life, that they would not gamble with eternity. They would not throw the dice and say, well, we'll just see what happens. But Lord, today they would come to that place of eternal salvation by putting their faith in you. Come Holy Spirit, even now, let decisions, eternal decisions be made for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you so let's pray together start by simply whispering the name Jesus let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name say Jesus I know that that I am a sinner that I have fallen short with you I'm sorry for all of my sins jesus i believe in you i believe that you are god's son i believe that you are the savior of the world i believe that you died on the cross for my sins and i believe that you rose from the grave that you are alive today now pray these words say lord jesus come into my heart come into my life forgive me of my sins give me a new start in you I commit my life to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.